You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Web Culture here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 30th of July, 2015. It's hard to believe, but like, I, I, I've been it, speaking from from the cold depths of Canada. Our two month summer is now half over, but summer's almost gone, kids. Get out there, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the warmth while you have the chance. The harshest of winters is coming back again, but not today. It's going to be a really fun show today. We got two special treats. Today, Dave, today is the uh, first anniversary, one year anniversary of Jennifer Slag's SEMpost.com. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to have Jen on in a few minutes to, well, say congratulations and to, uh, you know, thank her for, for, for signing the SEM post, talk to her about a few stories. And if we're lucky, she'll stick around for... Uh, for uh, uh, more Dwayne? of the show. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm just communicating with her on Skype right now, telling her we're just about to call her. Um, <laughs> we also have a guest that you lined up back from uh, back from those MozCon days so very long ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> you've invited Dwayne uh, Brown. Dwayne Brown from Unbounce.com. That you heard you heard Dwayne speak. Just you know, give the listeners a really quick synopsis. What are we going to be talking about with Dwayne? Sure. I'm sure he's got a, a lot of areas he could talk about, but uh, at MozCon and in an area I'm super interested in, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are too, um, he was talking about remarketing and what he refers to as delightful remarketing. Um, a, a lot of MozCon was talking about content in different ways. Um, I, think he, I think he nailed um, his session, which is why I really wanted to grab him on the show. He was kind enough to come on after my recording of an interview with him. Uh, kind of didn't go great in the recording quality so Our new nice. microphone needs to be purchased uh by dave um, <laughs> but uh but he, he was uh, kind enough to join us here uh, and and jen was there as well so won't that uh won't that be interesting it's gonna be great um and you know 
I've, uh, I, I don't think I've ever talked to Dwayne before, so that, that's going to be a total treat. I love talking to Jen Slag. I mean, she's been around as long as you and I have, Dave, and uh, she just has a depth of historic memory, uh, a knowledge of how this industry works that, uh, well, you know, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to say all this to her in a few minutes. So, um, friends, this is Jim Hedger from Did Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and um, it's been a kind of a busy week. Panda 4.2 is out there and fully slothing its way across the web, and um, we've been told this was going to be a really slow rollout, that it would take months and months and months to show effect, and i got to tell you, I'm loving it. <laughs> Every one of the sites that... Um, you know, might have that uh, in our responsibility that might have had a panda problem has t- magic turnarounds. Like, um, I'm, well, not magic. It was a lot of hard work, but it's like somebody, you know, sort of like flipped a switch or something, eh? Yeah, it it really was for a lot of people. And you know what? Uh, for for our listeners who want to see sort of evidence of how it can work, um, Barry, another one of those names. You know, you mentioned Jen Slag as somebody with a depth of knowledge in the industry and, and a history to be able to put things in the right context. Um, you know, we we can talk Barry here as well in the in the same sentence. I don't know how many shows we might have had where Barry wasn't mentioned in it, but this won't be one of them. Um, I actually did a did a nice post up on SE Roundtable um, showing his recovery. I don't know if you remember uh, back at the four point one, uh, they got nailed with that one, um, and and now there's some some dramatic recovery. He's not showing the specific numbers of organic traffic in his screenshots, but you can see we're dealing with with many double digit percent improvement um, during this time frame. To me, what this is telling me, I don't I don't know if you remember when you know he did an analysis um, after the the four point one of the loss, and it, it seemed to be a, and I found it kind of ironic and, and a shame. Um, it looked like he was getting a false positive on thin content, right? Because a lot of his posts, you know it, I know it. It's it's part of what we love about them is they're, they're not these lengthy pieces just to be a lengthy piece. If he can say it in 150 words, he's going to say it in 150 words. He's saying, this is happening, <laughs> and here's where you can get some more information. So I think he was getting trapped into a, into a false positive, and this is sort of telling about some of the issues that Google's addressing in this one is looking a little deeper, at least my take on this anyway, um, is looking a little deeper than that and going, okay, it's not just about, you know, is it, you know, 150 words and is it a bunch of pages on your site that are 150 words? But, you know, I, I'm thinking from this, Google's now been able to pull in a little more understanding of the verbiage on the page um, and does it suit uh, suit the user intent? And, and obviously, I mean, I don't know how often you go to the SE roundtable. I go there a lot. I'm sure you do. I'm sure most of our listeners do. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it is good copy. It deserves to be ranked because it's just to the point, gets the job done and tells you what you need to know, much, much like uh, the writing of our guest who's coming up here. So who's probably also happy to see this happen <laughs> to Barry, knowing that, uh, that this is something she won't have to be concerned about. And, um, yeah, it's there's great. Something that, there's something that weirds me out. And um, you know, maybe you got an answer to this. I don't know. Um, one of the ways you could tell you were being hit by a penalty beyond you know using the uh, – the, uh, the the Moz time chart is when you were hit by like Panda, you didn't just drop like a stone. You dropped, uh, you know, slowly you'd lose two or three percent a day, uh, you know, up to up to like, you know, 25, 30, 30 percent of traffic over over, say, a week period. But you didn't just drop immediately. You dropped slowly, you know. 
the recovery, on the other hand, has been mature. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm having a little bit of heart. I, I, maybe it was just, you know, my assumption that you'd, we were going to see a slow recovery rather than sudden upward spikes. So for, you know, people like me who are constantly doing stuff on, on websites to try to, you know, gain a little bit of advantage here and there, it's hard to, you know what I mean? It's just hard to say for sure, put your finger on it, this was a panda recovery because there's no indicative sign aside from doing a lot better. Yeah, it's not like the, you know, sort of manual penalties that people, you know, where it's like, bam, and then you're, you know, you go from your traffic to none. And then, you know, if you manage to recover, it's, you know, and then Penguin rolls through and boom, you're back again. Um, these are a much slower rollout. Obviously, I'd be interested. Of course, I'd be interested in seeing Barry Schwartz traffic pattern. Right? Like, hey, Barry, if oh, you want to give me access to your analytics, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> but to watch, I, I'd be interested to know, hey, because it is on his, it is this recovery over time, as you're calling it. And you can see the line up. And it's it's interesting because it's almost a straight line, like just this steady growth. And one has to wonder, OK, is it rolling out by page, right? Like, is it OK, you know, we've we've now re-indexed, you know, these pages on the site, these ones, like a, almost a slow test. Like what happens if we release 500 pages on Barry's site. Oh, okay. You know, this happens. And what do the users think? Oh, okay. You know, let's, let's try another 500, <laughs> uh, you know, sort of spewing out and, and um, sort of rewarding uh, the content again in chunks as a, as a test to make sure you don't get some, some false positives. And I can see where that would apply on a, on a page by page where, you know, in their, you know, the way they're doing things. Um, if they looked at, you know, a site like eHow. Um, you know, and, and we all know they they got hit, and you know, really for for good reason in a lot of cases. But hey, if you were releasing page by page, I mean, there's sometimes a, an eHow doc is is really what you need, right? Like you're looking up. I've used the example before, and I'll use it again. Uh, you know, I'm looking up how to bake a potato. You know, and you know, in a microwave, an eHow doc's going to serve me a lot better than a Wikipedia article on the history of potatoes in Idaho. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's. It, if they could, if they are doing the testing that, you know, they, they could be doing here and sort of looking at it more on a page by page analysis rather than a site as a whole analysis, um, you know, it, it would, it would definitely be a way to go and, and I think serve the users well. Um, and it would certainly explain the graphs that we're seeing on, uh, on the SE Roundtable, which obviously has a lot of traffic. We know it had the penalty. So it's, it's an interesting one to look at. Yeah. Well, uh, well, you know, I, I really don't have anything to say back to that except we're just going to keep monitoring and uh, try to, you know, get a pattern or see a pattern amongst various web, you know, websites that we believe to be in recovery because of Panda. And um, yeah, it's it's again, I'm ha- I'm getting frustrated because I don't see any serious indicator, something I can I can put my finger on and say for sure this is it. And if you see X, Y, and Z in your uh, in your analytics, you're you can be fairly fairly assured that you are in recovery from this. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. A little bit frustrating. Speaking of frustrating, um, and I, I want to race you because I really want to get Jen on as soon as possible. Um, you must have seen the uh, story that the stories that have been going around about um, that. SEO guru, not to be confused with our own SEO guru, Darren Babin, but uh, uh, Josh uh, Bakinski. I haven't seen them. Oh, okay. Well, you know, there's a uh, website up, joshbakinski.guru, which is a parody site 
about this fellow, Josh, who is out there, um, well, becoming a very famous SEO commentator without actually having the um, background. He was a black hatter for about four years before becoming a, uh, a white hat guru. <laughs> and um, it just sort of happens that he says stuff that completely contradicts what the majority of the community is saying. And, you know, people are getting a little bit ticked at it, thinking that he's kind of dangerous because he might be referring people in terribly wrong directions. Um, and so, yeah, somebody put a, a, a parody site up about him. It's being jumped all over by, you know, SEOs that, you know, we all know and love. And uh, I was checking in on some of the comments there the other day about, about this guy's website. And I kind of made a commitment. I got to keep up with it. It's really important. So here, I'm, I'm going to do it. For the record, this is important. For the record, Joe Hall is not an asshole and he wants to be interviewed. I will second that assertion. I like and him a lot. should be, by the way. I'm sorry. My, I, I misquoted him. Joe Hall is not an asshole, and he wants to be quoted. Joe was wondering <laughs> why a guy like Josh gets quoted, even though he's such a big asshole. And he says, well, I'm not an asshole. Uh, I want to be quoted. So, you know, me being the accommodating guy I am, <laughs> I said, your wish is my command, Joe. We're going to quote you on that. And there we did. All right, and you know what? I, I, I pass it one too, because as you're saying it in my Twitter feed, Joe Hall comes up here uh, to to the response "beans on toast," which somebody had posted. I'm going to quote Joe here: "Yum." So we now know a little bit more about Joe as well. He likes beans on toast. There you go. And for the record, Joe Hall's a brilliant, a brilliant programmer in SEO. And if and if the media out there, anyone in the real media and. Anyone in the, in, the, in the mainstream media out there who needs a quote on search engine optimization, how search engines work, or how the tech community in, in general works, talk to Joe Hall. That's the guy you ought to be going to. Uh, this, Josh, uh, this Josh fellow, yeah, he'll give you something outrageous. Joe Hall, who is so not an asshole and wishes to be quoted, will give you a good quote. Stuff you can take to the bank. In fact, if you're running a website, stuff that'll make you a bank. Because that's the kind of guy Joe is. Yeah, no, he's he's great. I mean, he's one of the one of the people you pay attention to, right? Like when when you see something come up, I mean, you know, not not necessarily if it's about beans on toast. <laughs> he, has, he has a lot more to say on a wide array of, of SEO issues, but uh, it was know, funny that that's what happened to come up. Simon Hesseltine put him up to that to defend Simon's fish sticks fixation, right? <laughs> that's what I think. Okay, well, never let it be said that here on Webcology we don't keep our commitments. We do in spades. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do we got? It was a fun. It was a fun as heck week. Um, you know what? We got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, but it would actually be kind of cool to have Jen on what we're talking about. I think it's a good time to take a break. It's you know about quarter past the hour. Good time to get Jennifer Slag to come on. We're uh, going to be having. It's a good time to have uh, Jennifer Slate come on, and we, again, we have Dwayne Brown coming on in a few minutes as well. But first, got to take a, a short break here on Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 30th of July, 2015. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave Davis from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. You're listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm, and we're going to be back after these messages. 
Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results. Providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world, The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 30th of July, 2015. Just entering our second segment of the show, and we are delighted to be joined. Well, I'm I'm trying to find the right descriptive word, but there are too many to use. (laughs) But but, but Jennifer Slag, um, (laughs) again, that's your career, Jen. I've tried to describe it years ago. You were one of the first people people to popularize AdSense as a program, which in my mind launched the blog illusion, the, the, the blog revolution, or at least you know made it commercially viable for so many people. You were one of the first people to articulate what AdSense was all about. From that, you built a stunning motoric career. Um sort of uh, were quiet for about a year and then a year ago at this time you launched the SEM post which has become 
the practitioners daily in our industry. This, you know, the SEM post is a daily must read for everybody who uh, who does search marketing. It's been a year. Glad that you're on today to celebrate to, to let us celebrate this anniversary with you. And uh, not only can I say welcome to the show, Jen. I gotta say, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's definitely been a wild ride from the days of, you know, Webmaster World and, you know, my claim to fame way back in the day was for Google AdSense stuff. And yeah, I launched the SEM post. It was actually at the beginning of July last year, but I was kind of delayed on my whole, oh, hey guys, it's been a year announcement thing. (laughs) And uh, it's been a blast. I've really, really enjoyed it. Had lots of fun breaking news stories and talking about all stuff that's important in the industry. Uh, There must be a hundred things that come across your, uh, that come across your newsfeed daily. How do you decide what's important? Well, um, I guess I kind of look at what's important for either SEOs or PPC people. Um, I don't focus too much on like all the random studies because I know other people are going to be talking about them and, you know, what the latest comm score news is. Um, but instead I focus a lot on like what's actually helpful for, you know, people doing SEO or PPC that are in the trenches. What are the tests that Google or Bing is running? Uh, what's the latest news on, you know, changes that are upcoming? And that, that's kind of like how I go about what I write about, I guess. I see you as kind of in an interesting position um, where, like you said, you're not just reporting all the stuff that happens, but you're actually trying to dig into what Google is doing, why. And that sort of puts you in a position between the machine and its users. It's it, us being you know, SEOs and, 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 and uh, PPC marketers being the primary quote-unquote users of Google from, from our, our position. And you're sort of, sort of in the middle between. Um, do you ever feel like a, a pressure being stuck between um, what, what could, could only be described as a rock and a hard place? <laughs> um, <laughs> not really. I mean, one of my favorite parts is, and I think one of the things that why the SEM Post is getting more and more popular every day, is that I'm not just reporting the straight news. I'm talking about you know, the things that have influenced what that decision was today, um, what it, what the potential impact could be. And I try to look at things from an outside perspective. A lot of people just look at it from the SEO perspective and not from the user perspective, whereas I try to look from both angles and how, like, look about, thinking about featured snippets, for example, lots of SEOs are like, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. But as a user, if you just want to know what Mother's Day is, those kind of things are awesome to have as a featured snippet. And so I'm trying to get the balance between, you know, SEO and just plain old ordinary users um, when I'm looking at all these different, you know, things that are happening in our industry. It's only been a year. And uh, I I saw a post that uh, Greg Jarbeau put up. Uh, I guess in, in response to your post saying it's a year anniversary, and him saying it's you know it's felt like much longer than that. It actually has felt a lot longer than that for me as well. Um, yeah, like I was kind of 
something, someone mentioned something to me and I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, it's been a year. I'm like, oh, I should say something. <laughs> and because it, it just kind of, you know, I've just been doing it and doing it and it just crept up on me, I guess. <laughs> What's the hardest story you've had to report in the last year? Uh, the hardest? Um, I'm not so sure it technically would be the hardest, but anytime Google does an update because I'm looking at analytics, I'm looking at, you know, forums, I'm talking to, like, I'll talk to a dozen or more people to see what they're seeing, get quotes from people. They sent me over their analytics and their, you know, what they're seeing. And then I have, like, this massive data from all different locations and all different places. And then I'm trying to make sense of it. And I seem to be doing a fairly decent job of making the sense of it because those posts seem to do really well when I kind of like dive into like, this is what we know about the latest panda or the latest penguin update. Jeez, I, I wish, you, wish we had had you on the show a few minutes ago when I was complaining that I, I can't find anything definitive to show that the sudden meteoric rises that have been happening in sites that I'm responsible for are because of the most recent iteration of Panda. Um, yeah, it's definitely been one of those ones like it wasn't I think the big thing people look at Mozcast and Mozcast is a great tool to be able to see, oh, something definitely happened in the search results. But there wasn't even like a there was a minuscule jump one day, but nothing that's outside of just every ordinary you know, day in the search results. And so I think that's why people are like, whoa, you know, this this update's kind of crazy because we don't see any changes or people will see a little bit of minor change, but they're not, is it Panda? You know, is there, did Google change some other ranking signal? It, this one's been a lot harder to kind of nail down because they are rolling it out over months instead of like a wham, here it is all within, you know, a few days or a week or so. No. You already knew a hell of a lot about Google before starting the SEM post and, and, and yes. diving into uh, a year of deep research on Google. But um, have, have you learned more in the last year than, uh, than, than, than you might have known before? Oh, I think if, if an SEO decides that they're just not going to learn anything, they might as well just like go and change careers and, you know, toss all their websites away because, I mean, you constantly have to be, you know, be aware of what Google's doing. Like featured snippets, for example, now a lot of webmasters are like, how can I get that spot? Or if a competitor has it, how they can steal that spot from their competitor. And, but like a year ago or two years ago, like what are featured snippets? They just like weren't even a big deal. And so those are the things that, like, people really have to be aware of. And same with PPC. Things are always changing. Admittedly, that was a clumsy question. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's jump over to Dave, who can probably phrase one a lot more elegantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, you brought up a, a great point, Jen, about, you know, the, the need to keep updated. I mean, I think every SEO knows that, right? Like, a lot's happened over the last year. So personally, I'd like to thank you for being one of the resources to keep us up to date. Thank you. Um, and, and one of the better ones. I know, you know, when Jim and I are doing a show, it's one of the go-to stock ones. And when I'm, you know, got a few minutes in the morning, it's one of the like stock sites I go to to like, okay, what's what's going on here? Um, as well as Jim SEO rock you stars, just let difficult. you know. Oh, sorry. Sorry? Uh, as, as well as SEO rock stars, we supply quite of our articles from SEM Post. Brilliant. Um, so, Jen, a lot of love. <laughs> um, now, Jim had mentioned what's the, uh, or, or had asked about what are the most challenging ones. I, I've got a, you know, a, a year of news. It's a dynamic industry and, and a lot of fun. What's been the most 
fun topics that you've had to cover over the last year, like the things that you just really enjoyed reporting on. And it might have been a quick thing to throw together. Some of them might have taken some research. But what did you have the most fun reporting on? Um, oh, geez. Probably. I have a lot of fun reporting on stuff that's set at conferences. Like, poor Gary Ush from Google. Like, <laughs> I talk about anything he says at a conference is basically fair game for, you know, me and Barry Schwartz to kind of write about and break down. Same with, like, everything he tweets about. And, you know, as I said in the post I made about the uh, SEM Post anniversary, like, they probably had no idea we were going to analyze every little, you know, sentence they said. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's been a lot of fun because it's always like, hmm, well, they said this. What does it mean? and you know what's this what what's this going to affect and what's this going to change and so that's been pretty that's been probably one of my funnest parts of uh of covering stuff well and of and course a, a job you uh you do well too is is bringing to light what they didn't discuss and I've always <laughs> that to be <laughs> um yeah i mean uh, you know what we, we talked about gary you actually just covered a, an interesting thing about gary I'm interested in your take on it, um, where they were talking about the, and this was, I believe, just this morning, um, talking about heavier weighting onto keywords with heavier search volumes and, and, and search yeah. traffic. Um, you know, I actually sent off a tweet to him after I'd read it on, of course, um, your site and went, oh, okay, I should ask too. And, and haven't heard back. No surprise. Um, well, your you name's know, not okay, Jeff Slade. He's actually, he's just landed. He was just on his way back to Zurich. So he, he was just tweeting that, uh, he was in the air. So he may, oh, so, so maybe, he'll, <laughs> maybe he'll get back. Um, I mean, it was an interesting point, you know, no, you know, they don't wait, um, you know, SEO more heavily or, or don't look a little differently at sites with, with higher or keyword phrases with, with higher search volume. Uh, my question, of course, to him is, and I'd be interested in your thoughts. Okay, but when you're weighting things out globally, are you weighing it in, in ways that traffic is being measured? And so, you know, obviously phrases with higher search volumes are going to weight more heavily naturally in, in an analysis. What do you think? Was he telling the truth or was he telling sort of a half truth there in, in the way he responded? No, like, yes, we don't look specifically at that phrase, but, you know, there's parts of the algorithm that probably look like we do. Well, I think he was being pretty truthful because, I mean, if you if you consider like all the years of SEO and even stuff recently, there's really been no evidence that they look at heavy, like highly trafficked keywords any differently than what they do, you know, stuff that's not as popular other than we've definitely seen cases where they look at specific verticals that have a lot of spam in them, like with the pirate algo and the payday loan algo. But those are kind of very specific niche keyword specific things. And you also have to consider the fact that even if they were waiting keywords any differently it's still the same set of keywords and the same set of sites that are competing for those rank those you know search positions so it's not like there would be any benefit really i guess for them to be weighting it differently anyway maybe actually you know what that's weird I, i actually see a benefit for them just in uh in load volume, I, this is going to get this is going to get searched more frequently. Chances are more people are interested in it. It might relieve a little bit of resources if we concentrate this direction. Yeah, but then you kind of get back to the days of you know Google Dance, where you know was twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, where we saw the search results change you know once a month or once every month and a half or so. 
And then if you rank number one for your keyword, you're going to rank number one for the next month, month and a half. And you're laughing all the way to the bank. Well, yeah, but Jen, I mean, like, given the, uh, given the, uh, delay in a penguin update, there are many that would argue we're already there. (laughs) Well, yeah, penguin's a whole different animal. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things because, you know, there's definitely some people caught in the penguin algo that, you know, fully deserve to be in there. And there's other people who, you know, don't deserve to be in there as much because, and primarily it's because they hired people that weren't disclosing exactly how they were getting them those wonderful number one rankings. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Gary has said that we'll see a panda or sorry, a penguin update in the next. I can't remember the exact words he used, but it was either the next few months or in the coming months. So we are going to see it. My I'm money's right. on October because that would be a year. I remember when I was in the Boy Scouts, they made it made us do these long, long, long marches. And our leaders would say, yeah, it's just around the corner. We swear. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't. They were lying. <laughs> um, but I'm not suggesting Google's lying. I'm not suggesting Gary's lying at all. In, in any way, it's just, it's just, this is the story that never ends. Um, before we're going to, have to take a break, and we're going to be coming back with uh, Dwayne, Dwayne uh, Brown from Unbounce. And Jen, I hope you can stick around for a few minutes. Um, sure. Bunch of interesting stuff that Dwayne's going to have to say. But I, 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 I wanted to ask, and I was trying to set up the question when I asked my ungainly. I was trying to set this up when I asked my ungainly question, have you learned a lot more about Google? There are many who suggest that in the last year, Google has, in fact, broken itself somehow. Do you, is there any, do you see any validity to that, uh, to that perception? Well, I guess it depends on, like, the perspective you're looking at, right? Like, obviously, if you are someone who is caught in the penguin, you know, filter, you're hating Google and you're going to scream it's broken you know, till the cows come home. But then there's people who are doing completely whitehead stuff that are, you know, rocking the search results right now who are going to argue that, you know, Google's great. They're doing everything awesome. So it kind of, a lot of it depends on the perspective you're looking at and exactly where you are in the search results. I mean, from a user perspective, I think users, I mean, Google's always tweaking stuff to, you know, to make sure that the users are happy and that's their, biggest thing and it's just you know seos get caught in the crossfire when they change things or you know add featured snippets and knowledge panels and all that kind of thing but at the end of the day google needs to make sure their users are happy because if not they could you know go off to bing or DuckDuckGo or yahoo or whoever you know yeah indeed uh google we've always been saying all the way along uh, google's worst enemy is themselves that makes me want to ask a bunch of Google Plus questions. I'm not going to go there, but I bet you, I bet you we can go there with uh, with Dwayne Brown from Unbounce. Um, sure, he, he might have something to say for, say about it. But before we can do that, we got to take a break so that we can actually get Dwayne on the on the phone. So again, Jen, you're going to stick around for a few minutes. That's amazing. Please jump in as co-host. Uh, <laughs> ask Dwayne whatever jumps to mind. Friends, we got to take a break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 30th of July, 2015. Summer's almost gone. Get out there and enjoy it. But before you do, stick around. We got a few commercials. We're going to be coming back here on Webmaster Radio with Dwayne Brown from Unbounced. Back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web College here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the uh, 30th of July, 2015. Going into our second segment, we have on the line uh, Jennifer Slegg, who is the uh, editor and publisher of the SEM Post. It's their very first anniversary. Jen's going to be sitting in for the rest of the show with us. But more importantly, right now, we have Dwayne Brown from Unbounce, the mobile responsive landing page builder for marketers. Um Dave, Dave and Dwayne had a, a great conversation at MozCon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, unfortunately, there was something, you know, gremlins or something. There was something wrong with the recording. So we needed this. We needed this interview. It was such a good conversation. Uh, Dave, you, you you did the interview back in Seattle. Um, let's, let's let's pick up where you guys uh, would have been. Perfect, perfect. Dwayne, first, thanks for the makeup interview. Absolute pleasure to have you on. As you know, uh, yours was one of the, the sessions I, I really, really enjoyed. 
um, you know, a lot of great sessions. Yours obviously stood out. So I'm just going to jump right in, make sure we make uh, good use of the time that we've got you on here. And I know Jim and Jen will probably have some questions as well. And I know I, I hogged up probably all the time we had left. <laughs> we would have left. So let me jump right in. Your session um, was on what you referred to as, and I hadn't actually heard the term before. Maybe it's, it's common and I just missed it somewhere in there. Delightful remarketing. I love remarketing. So we're going to get technical in a minute, but let's just start with that broad scope. Delightful remarketing and the word delightful. Um, we all know remarketing, the ability to, to throw ads up in front of people as they navigate the web because they've been to your site before. Okay, so taking it past that, what is the right approach? When you call it delightful, what is that? What makes it delightful? What makes that difference between something that is successful and something that isn't? Yeah, I mean, we use Delightful because we want to create a good experience here at Unbounce. And anywhere I've been, really, you want to create a good experience. And so there's three there's three pillars I look at when it comes to Delightful remarketing. Pillar one is about message match. It's about looking at your ad and your audience and making sure the message matches the audience and the audience matches, matches the message. And making sure those two are really in sync. And then it's context. Looking at the context of where the ad is going to be shown, how it's going to be shown, what device, what time of day. Are you going to show it to business people? Maybe you want to run an ad during the day. Are you going to show it to people at nighttime because you're trying to go after people who have insomnia? So we just understand the context of when the ad is going to be shown. And then the third part is really about the gut check. Is this ad delightful? And it's not so much a question you ask yourself as much as a question you ask people on your team, people in engineering, people in customer success, just other departments. Because if you can't convince the people on the other teams that this is a great remarketing experience, you're probably not going to convince your audience and people who want to buy your product that this is a great experience. And that's really key at the end of the day. If you have those three pillars of message match, contacts, and is this delightful experience, it probably is if you can get all three to say yes. Now, we we all deal with budgets, of course. And one of the things, and I don't know why, it's like stuck in my head. And I'm like, this is something people miss. This is something people miss. I need to ask Dwayne about it. I did last time. I'm going to ask you about it again. You were talking about burn pixels. Um, what... What do we t- maybe just explain to us? What is a burn pixel? How do you use it to make a, a much more effective remarketing uh, program? So, yeah, so a burn pixel basically is a list of customers who've already converted on your website. So whether you sell jeans or telephones or B two B software, when someone comes to your website and they reach your thank you page or confirmation page, a pixel should fire and it puts them on a remarketing list saying that these people bought this product or these products. And the reason you want to use that is because when you're doing remarketing. If somebody clicks on your remarketing ad that hasn't converted in the past and then they do convert and buy something, you want to put them on a list so they don't see ads anymore. And that's really what part of delightful remarketing is. It's about making sure you're showing ads to the right people at the right time. And you don't want to keep on showing someone an ad who's already converted on something because that's just annoying. Now, I know we were, when you were doing your presentation, so I'm going to remind you what they are because I know you do a lot of, you know, talking to a lot of different people here. Um, You had listed off a few to-dos. Um, these are for everybody. Um, we, we talked about, or you, you talked about frequency, age, location, and creative um, in, in the presentation as key things that we need to look at. We've sort of touched on them here when we're talking about what makes it delightful. How do we need to tweak these things uh, to really make sure that our messaging is popping, we're not annoying people, um, and, and we're hitting the right demographic? So I look at frequency cap, and it's about how many times your ad is shown to someone. So I generally say you don't want your ad shown more than two to three times in a day. Some brands might be four or five. You know, two and three just works for a lot of brands that I work with. And it's about making sure you don't get brand fatigue with the audience and them seeing, oh, this ad again. I've seen this ad four times a day. I've seen this ad five times a day. It's like when you're watching TV and you see that Kleenex ad for the fifth time in that one-hour slot. You're like, really? Again? It's annoying. You don't want to do that. 
age and location are very similar. It's about making sure that where you target people, the age you're targeting people are correct for your brand. So if obviously you're going after a product that targets seniors, maybe you want to target boomers who are taking care of their parents and seniors versus if you're going to sell something to potentially kids or younger age demographic, you may want to target Gen Y, Gen X, if it's sort of a hip new product that all the cool kids are going to want to have. So it's just making sure that the age and where you target these people, whether it's the West Coast or the East Coast or the center of the country, is also in line of where you're going to sell your product. Because if you're going to sell jeans, you're probably not going to want to sell jeans in Florida necessarily because jeans, you know, is usually something you wear more in winter when it gets cold versus during the summer months when it's always summer in Florida. (laughs) Um, Something you touched on, and I I rarely see people admit to it, and we all need to do it, or or when they do, it's never a, it's me. It's always like just a a general thing. And and you talked in your session um, Basically going, hey, I, I'm running a campaign right now, not 100% sure whether it's it's working. We all do that. We all have to do that. You never know uh, 100%, you know, especially on a paid campaign, that it's going to work as well as you like. Um, you talked about, you know, and these are the, the triggers for basically when to bail on it. Um, let's talk about that. How do you know? What what? I mean, obviously, there's conversion metrics you can you can pull in, but how do you know when it's actually the idea itself that's failing, and not just say the medium or the creative? I think it, it comes down to you know, are some people converting? You know, we ran a campaign, and someone I talked about at MozCon, I ran a campaign where I'm on my fourth landing page, my fourth piece of copy. I think it's a really great idea. I think it's a smart idea. I even saw one of competitors doing the same idea a few weeks ago, and I'm like, clearly they've seen my ad. Because the odds of us having the same idea for the same campaign at the exact same time are pretty rare. So I know the idea is great and solid. It maybe isn't successful because maybe it's not the right target audience. You know, maybe I'm targeting people 25 to 35, and it really should be targeting people, you know, 36 to 45. So I think if, if some people are buying, maybe the idea is great, but it's not the right audience. You want to bail. Whereas if nobody's buying and you've tried lots of different ad copy, lots of different uh, landing pages and you try to say things lots of different ways and it's probably just a bad idea in general if no one converts. So kind of look at conversion see am I getting some conversions? Okay, I'm on the right path. How can I tweak this ad copies landing page and make it even better and try to figure out what are making these people convert and why they're converting and move from there. And then sometimes you just have to bail and say, you know what, I think this is a great idea but maybe I'm going to try it on another medium or I'm going to try it on another channel. Uh, and see if that will work. Because maybe it, it's the overarching strategy is correct, and it's just how you execute it is wrong, and you just got to figure out why. That's uh, you know, and that that is a great approach, right? It's the if one person converted, I'm obviously hitting part of what I need. So yeah, how do I tweak this? Yeah, how do I scale it up more? And and the campaign I talked about at MozCon, I just I abandoned it last week because I'm like, I just can't figure out how to scale this more with this audience. But I know my strategy is correct, and I think it can work. I'm going to try it on another channel and see if that opportunity can work there. So let's. I, I'm going to going to go a bit bigger because you actually had a quote um, during your session that I think needs to be. I, I don't know. It, it could be a marketing mantra. Um, and, and your your quote, and I think you were just throwing it off 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 the off the fly or off the cuff here was um, that's the point of marketing to make people feel a little better or like a better version of themselves. So here you are and my job as a marketer is to make you feel like that you you see yourself as not necessarily the you you are at this moment or the you you wish you were um, is what our job is. So take us through that that process when you're like how and that would be a beginning stage process when you you're you're given a a whatever product X, Y or Z. how do you approach it to really hit that, to 
what are the questions that you're asking yourself or, or your yeah. client uh, to really to really hit the nail on the head on that idea? Yeah, I mean, I talked about sort of two things. I talked about sort of making people better versions of themselves, making people a rock star. And it's not something you can necessarily do with every product or service, but, you know, in a balance, okay, we sell landing pages. So for us, it's about how do we make people better versions of themselves in the sense of, you know, building campaigns faster, making more money. Whereas if I'm a fashion brand like ASOS or an H&M, it's how do I make this person look good in my clothes? Or how do I make them a better dresser? You know, I was raised by just my mom. So if I was like H&M and I was going after young guys, I might go after young guys who maybe would just raised by a single parent and they don't know how to tie a tie. And that maybe seem like a really simple thing, but there's lots of guys who don't know how to tie a tie. So it's, it's about figuring out how can you give content and create great experiences as to your audience and make them better versions of themselves because they love your brand and they want to use your brand and they promote your brand. And it isn't, it isn't always a question that I say, ask myself, but it's definitely something I always think about. Is this going to resonate with people? Or do you want to click on this ad? Will it make them better in the long run? And making someone better in the long run isn't a short game it's very much a marathon like i said in my talk and you're gonna have to do it over and over and over again until you get up the hill and then you're on the other side and you can go down the hill uh dwayne has been getting great reviews you have an amazing partner list uh you know companies uh uh salesforce um hubspot uberflip uh, Facebook, Shopify, but best endorsement I saw of all came from a, a friend of Webmaster Radio saying that somebody, everybody in the uh, in the uh, search marketing community knows, Tim Ash, CEO of uh, Site Tuners, and he wrote, creative landing pages visually without any IT support, I must have died and gone to heaven. Um, how different is and more and more difficult is creating a landing page environment in the uh, or landing page in the mobile environment than it is for for desktop um, I mean the biggest difference is, is obviously screen size so we we create landing pages both for desktop and for mobile devices uh, we talk about mobile a lot lately because it's something we've launched in the last year or so uh, just making sure people have that experience whether someone goes from a desktop down to a mobile device and even at even at like a tablet so a lot of people have iPhones obviously and phablets and tablets so it's about making sure your copy works it's about making sure that your form if you have a form to fill out works and so in our tool we look at the desktop version then we have a little button we click over and we can show us what it will theoretically look on a mobile device and sometimes that means getting rid of text because you have too much text that's not going to fit on a mobile device screen uh, making sure a landing page isn't one that you have to scroll tons because people aren't going to necessarily scroll as much or maybe it won't be as intuitive that they can scroll on that screen. So it's about sort of figuring out what's really important on your mobile landing page and then keeping that front and center uh, so people will convert at the end of the day. The reason I ask like that is for for Tim Ash, who lives in landing pages, he's, he's, he's built his career on them. For him to write that comment, you obviously solved a problem for him. And then that's why I asked the question. It just um, I'm watching this video un, un, unfold on your uh, on your homepage, your index page, and clearly you guys are solving problems. What was the uh, I guess what was the the, the the impetus to develop the product and market the product? Well, our CEO Rick, um, this is six years ago because I'm has been around for six years, and I'll be honest, I've only actually been in a bounce for the last four months, uh, but I made a lot of headway in the last four months. Um, he was just sitting around one day and, and thinking about things, and the idea came to him. Um, 
about the challenges of building landing pages, and he sort of worked on, obviously, the idea and figuring out what it would look like and things of that nature, and then he brought the other five co-founders together, the people he met throughout his career and other companies he's worked for, and he sort of pitched them on the idea and said, this is what I think, what do you guys think? And he really sort of user-tested the idea for a while, and then, you know, everyone got on board, and they went all in, and six months later, we're where we are today. Now, a question I've, I've got. It's funny because when you're when you're doing live blogging, I'm sure uh, Jen, you can probably sympathize with this too. When you're blogging with somebody speaking, you had a gem quote. I don't even remember the context because I was trying to get everything down into my <laughs> into my <laughs> as, as you're speaking. And I'm like, right? I, I don't remember I mean, at the time I did. Now I've I've lost the context, uh, and it has the word Nirvana in it. I'm like, okay, this is important, so let's cover this quickly here. Um, you had said SaaS plus marketing equals marketing Nirvana. Yeah, so I that's, cannot remember the context, and I'm dying to know. <laughs> sure. So that's what I was talking about, Intercom and a SaaS business. Now, Intercom is basically, it's a SaaS business as well, and it lets you hook into your mobile app or your website, and it tells you what your customers are doing on your website, your mobile app, what features they're using, how quickly they're using that feature. We use it here at Intercom. I've used it in my last couple startups. It's great to get an idea of what features people actually want to use. And the reason I felt it was marketing Nirvana is because you could take that listen to Intercom and look at what features customers are not using. And then you could remarket to those people and tell them why they should be using those features. And I talked about the lines I talked along the lines of sticky features, like the features that turn your users into loyal customers. So if you know using features X, Y, and Z are really important, you're seeing that there's 10, 20, 30% of your customers not using X and Y, why not remarket those people and tell them why those features are really important and turn them from users to loyal customers. And that my friend Smart and Nirvana because now you've increased your business because they've already come to you they've already bought from you why don't you just make them buy more because it's easier to sell to the people you have versus trying to go after new people at the end of the day now I know we've only got uh, got like a, a minute or two here left um, so Take us through a quick tip. What we're building you know we're, we're looking at our landing pages we're trying to figure out if they're if they're good or bad first thing you look at what is it I look at copy. Is there too much copy? Does the copy make sense to the ad? Does it reach the people I want? Like, are people going to that page going to be able to understand what that page is about? Uh, and that's something we look at a lot on Inbounds. We look at the copy because you can have too much copy, but you can also have too little copy. So you've got to make sure there's the balance there between if I'm reaching someone who's brand new to my brand, I'm probably going to have a bit more copy because maybe they don't know everything about a landing page versus someone who searches a brand where we can have a little bit less copy and just stick to the main bullet points. And then after that, I will get, you know, page layouts, you know, images, video, um, how it converts, you know, field forms, stuff like that. But copy is the first thing I look at because it's usually the first thing people see outside of the main image above the fold. Um, how often do you find that, you know, you're recommending people, uh, you know, rearrange their copy or rewrite their copy? We do it all the time in Inbounce. I mean, we write copy. We have a copy editor, so we say, you know, his name is Angus. So we go, hey, Angus, read this over. Let me know what you think. You know, he'll give his point of view on it. Um, we'll talk about who do we think our customer actually is and try to, like, lay it out both by what we think from our gut but also what we see in our data in terms of, like, Google Analytics data and other sources of data we have across the company. Uh, and then also times we'll just talk to customers. You know, talk to customers is really powerful, and that's one thing I brought up at MozCon is you should never be afraid to talk to your customers because they'll tell you why they use your product. They'll tell you what they love about their product, and odds are there will be other people out there who love your product or want to love your product for those same reasons. So why not use that in your marketing? Why not use that in your copy? You know, I wish we had a lot more time, Dwayne. There's a lot more copy I'd like to get out of this show, but 
We're going to be hearing the music in about 15 seconds. We have to go to the news on webmasterradio.fm. Um, Dwayne Brown from Unbounce. That's unbounce.com. Thank you so much for, for dropping in. Um, Jennifer Slag from the SEM Post. Congratulations, and thank you so much for dropping in. And thank friends you. and listeners, thank you so much for dropping in. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. You've listened to WebCology and webmasterradio.fm on the 30th of July 2015. Stick around. A lot of great content coming up on on the network after the news. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.